0: Hello and welcome to this week's instalment of Shoulder Charge On the show this week London Winfrey on the banks Can they really stay up? It's the big first v second clash tonight Just who will emerge victors? And I'll be telling you Why I think Castleford may be about to turn a corner Despite their bad form It's an action packed show this week So let's get right into it Let's start with London it was another great week for them last week. It was the third win in a row after a 26-24 win against Hull KR. That now takes them off the foot of the table and the two points ahead of Leeds who are now bottom after Hull KR won last night. But turning back to last week in that win against Hull KR, London showed great resilience in that match. You know, they've shown it in all matches but they're finally getting the just rewards now to come back after Hull scored 18 unanswered points it really does show why Danny Ward the London coach was given the assistant coaching role with the Great Britain set up and I really thought what won it for them in that match it was a kicking game and Hull KR just couldn't cope with it Jordan Abdul didn't put a foot wrong you know everything he touched turned into points and He'll be with Pol KR next year and, and and that's a big coup for them to secure Jordan Abdul's services for next year, but it's a big blow for London. But, you know, in that match, it, you saw London's frailties as well because they could so easily have lost it as well. There was a five-minute period in that second half where the momentum shifted and Paul KR got those two tries in quick succession and when that momentum shifts, it's hard to, it's hard to get it back the other way. But London stopped the danger just after five minutes. You know, albeit whole chaos scored too. But London's response was really good. You know, for a side at the bottom who haven't had it all their way this year, they showed great character. And they showed want to overturn the deficit. And that's exactly what they did. You know, just ten minutes to go, they showed it again. Whole KR broke through the defence. And it looked like a dead cert for a try. But it were Broncos who were sprinting back. And they was able to defend the try line. But not just satisfied with defending, they instantly went up the field and scored a try to kill the game off. And it was that attitude that secured the win. Had it not been f- for wanting to get another try, they could have lost it because Hulk got a late consolation. And the score line looked tighter than the game actually was. And through that try, we saw how London's passion could get the better of them. If that passion's not channelled in the right manner, it can be detrimental. Hulk late try directly came via London's ill discipline. And because of that scuffle that they involved themselves in, they gave Hulk valuable seconds. And if they were deft enough, they might have just nicked a few more points to take it to Golden Point, and who knows what would have happened then. It could have been London who were bottom of the table now. But luckily for them, they hung on, And now they're off the bottom for the first time in months. But we've seen it with Wakefield, Castleford, Huddersfield. Teens go through brilliant spells. And then they seem to be dropping like stones after a good run. For one reason or another. And London will have to be wary of that. Because, you know, once you're in a bad run, it's hard to get out of it. And the worst time to hit it is so near the end of the season. We're just 10 games left now. But... Going into the t- final stages. London are on great form. But so are Hull KR now. Because they got a great win against Hull FC. They didn't give them a chance. Hull KR's kicking game in that match. With second to none as well. Josh Drinkwater. Fantastic performance. And the new lad they got from Leeds. He, he were man of the match for me. That were, that were a brilliant performance. So they don't want to go down either. So th- that relegation scrap's really hotting up right now. And if they're looking at it now the team gonna go down, it's gonna be Leeds, they've not shown anything, right now, throughout the season, I've not seen anything from Leeds to suggest they're performing better than London or Hull KR, they're putting in more passion and desire than Hull KR or London, they're not, it's London and Hull KR who are showing everything they need to stay up, and Leeds Are really falling apart at this moment in time and I don't really want to dwell too much on Leeds because we've spoken about them in previous episodes but they've got to pull the finger out because they're in the bottom now and they've got to pick up some wins but going back to London they're performing brilliantly and we saw the good bits and the bad bits in that match against OKR. they've got to channel that passion and determination in the right way And if they do that, they'll continue to win and they will stay up. And if they do, surely Danny Ward has got to be coach of the year. Especially when you take into account how unfancied they was and the predictions at the start of the season. Some didn't even think they were going to win the game. I keep coming back to that because, you know, they're now winning games. They've won three in a row. Can they beat Castleford now who are also on a bad run? And talking of Castleford, they seem to be sliding down the table at the moment. They suffered yet another defeat at the weekend. This time it was against Salford. And that's now Castleford's sixth defeat in their last 8 games. And the only surprise is, how they're only 7th. But, that to me shows how well they were doing earlier on. And as I mentioned earlier though, we're approaching the latter stages of the competition now. Just 10 games remaining. The time to be falling apart, falling out of form, is really not now. And they're in real danger of not being in the playoffs come the end of the regular season. And that would be a disaster because Castleford were one of the more fancied sides at the start of the season before the season started. And yeah, they've had a lot of injuries, but they've had a lot of injuries throughout the season. They've known before a ball was kicked, or certainly in the early stages of the competition that they'd have long-term injuries. And they've had those injuries when they've been through good spells and bad spells. So... Their poor form now cannot just be because they're missing key players. It can't just be the injuries. And I think maybe Daryl Powell, the coach, has perhaps used the injuries as a bit of an excuse, you know. The explanation after every defeat, it seems to be, well, this player's out and that player's out, so we're weakened. yadda yadda yadda. But that excuse is sort of wearing thin a bit now. And maybe the constant talk of injuries—it might have played into the into the players' subconscious. They might have been thinking subconsciously. Maybe they wasn't aware of it, but it was in the minds. They may have been thinking, "We're we're weakened. We're not fully fit. We're not as strengthened as as the opponent." Maybe that's played on the minds. Who knows? But I do think they've got a good squad. I do think they might turn a corner. We saw it with Hull F.C. They were massively inconsistent. They were going from 55 wins to 55 losses. It was that extreme. And Lee Radford didn't know what to do with his side. But then they went on that brilliant run. They put themselves in third position. And they were looking like the real challengers, even ahead of Warrington, to challenge St. Helens. You know, they're flying. But they're not invincible either. They've lost against OKR now. It's all in Castleford's favour, they've been through that bad spell now. They seem to be sort of slowly progressing, even though they're still losing. They seem to be putting in the efforts, but not quite getting the results, because stats-wise, I don't think they're that far away. If we're looking at the loss to Salford last week, Chase Blair, Liam Watts, Jesse Sennelly-Feo, Jordan Rankin, Peter Mettetier, they all made over 100 metres. And in particular, Chase Blair made 196 metres. That's a side to me that wants to win, that's trying everything, that's playing for the shirt, trying to impress the manager, trying to pick up the points, but it's just not falling for him at the moment. The fact that they're not winning is really not for the want of trying. They had promising spells in the Salford game. In the run up to half time, they they were playing quite well. And after the match, Darrell Powell, the coach, he said some players are not good enough to be in the side at the moment. So maybe that's the kick up the backside that that the players need to get back to winning ways. And they're back on home soil for the next match. They're up against London, and then they've got Leeds. So it's the two bottom sides. London are in good form, but Castleford will be looking at those next two fixtures and expecting at least one win against them. But it's not gonna be the it's not going to be easy and they've got to put in those meters but they've also got to right the wrongs of what they've been doing so far but come the next few rounds i reckon they're gonna click and i reckon they're gonna start climbing up that table moving on let's talk a bit about expanding the sport because i think in, in rugby league there's a tendency for its fans to knock the sport and And I've spoken about it before on the podcast. Fans can be really negative in terms of the commercial side and the marketing side. There always seems to be a crisis in the sport. On the podcast, I don't really want to talk about we need to be doing this and we need to be doing that because it's a bit tedious. At the end of the day, it's really boring. It gets really tiring. You go around in circles. There's a constant bickering over what way forward, what to do, you know, Nothing ever gets solved. And this constant discussion, it fuels changes. And over the past few years, there's been constant rebrands, constant chopping and changing of league structures, you know. Middle 8 Super 8s, relegation, no relegation. You know, I just think you should have a plan. Stick to the plan. Reconvene in a few years. See if it's working then. Then do something else. But have a bit of consistency. Because I think a potential new fan, which everybody wants, everybody wants new fans and new people to come into it, but a a potential new fan, how can they begin to enjoy the sport? You know, when they start to invest more into the discussion side of it, it's dominated by how awful this bit is. It's not dominated by, oh, Jake Connor did a brilliant try a few weeks ago, or, you know... It's not about what's on the field, it's all about what's going off the field. And when all that is discussed is how badly things are run, I think it's very off-putting. And also, I'd just like to make the point, because there's been discussion over the last week or so, saying let's turn Super League into a franchise. So, we'd remove promotion relegation, and there would be the biggest brands in the league of about ten and they'd be guaranteed a spot, and I just think that's a horrendous idea. You know, if you go back to what sport is about, it's competitive, it's the want to be the best, it's about the highs and it's about the lows. You take that away with franchising and there's nothing left. It may be attracted to businessmen whose money is safe because they're never in danger of any losses, but it would be an absolute joke of a competition if you're basing your best teams in the country on... Who is a bigger brand and who's got more fans? And it's really not a competition that I'd bother watching if if that were the case because what is the point? Why should I watch Summit when I know he's going to finish first, I know he's going to be in the middle and I know he's going to finish bottom and I know none of them are ever going to go out of it or where is the entertainment for me if I already know the script before it's been written? There's also discussions of actually increasing Super League. I touched on that last week saying maybe we should increase the number of teams in Super League because the championship seems to be seems to be so strong. We saw Bradford beat Leeds. We saw Halifax beat London. London are doing well now. So why not put an extra team getting promoted maybe? But this discussion was now about expanding it purely on the basis of Leeds so that Leeds don't get relegated if they finish bottom so there wouldn't be any extra size from the championship it's a sort of discussion about you know can Super League survive without a big brand like Leeds and maybe they'd lose out with money and commercial size but I've said it before what is the point of a sport if there's no jeopardy if you're just going to protect your big teams what does that say to the other teams? And why on earth should anyone bother if that's the case? Because it just comes down to the greed of businessmen who sees sport as money-making. And to a certain extent it is. But who makes the game? It's the fans who make the game. And in this discussion they are considered at the bottom of the pile. And I don't think that should ever be the case. If the growth of the sport means taking away competition and altering the rules to protect one side... To have guaranteed winners, to have guaranteed losers. It loses all of what's good about it and it has no identity. There's nothing left at all. Rugby league could make the most profits than anybody else. But if that comes at the expense of the whole point of the sport, then what on earth is the point? The reason the sport is so engrossing, so fascinating, is because of the element of surprise, the belief your club will win. You invest in a side in the hope it will be rewarded with success. But you you can go for a roller coaster throughout the season of will we do it or won't we do it? Will we survive? Will we get that grand final? With franchising, you have no promotion, no relegation. You're expanding for purely commercial and not for the good of the competition. It's a huge no from me. Staying on off the field issues, recently announced. Next month, there'll be no St Helens v Wigan clash on television on Sky. Sky have chosen to televise Leeds v Hull KR instead. That'll be the first time that fixture, Saints vs Wigan, has not been on TV since 1995. The tie will take place on July the 12th, so it's some way off yet, but I reckon that's a good decision. Because for me, it just shows how valuable that promotion and relegation is to the competition, because we've now got two relegation-threatened sides knocking off. Two of the two of the biggest brands and two of the top of teams in Super League, because it's more exciting and pe- more people want to watch that. You know how much more exciting Super League is because we've got an extra dimension to it, and not just who is the top side and who's going to finish in the top five. And really, with these top of the table sides, albeit Wigan are not quite top of the table yet, you don't really learn anything. There's not really much at stake because. The League Leaders' Shield isn't that fancied, and it's all about the grand final, really. It's all about who's in that top five at the end of the season, and then it gets exciting. We already sort of know who the top five are going to be, barring a couple. Yeah, it's tight, and it keeps changing at the moment, but Saints will be in it, Warrington will be in it, Hull are going to be in it, and it's just about those extra two. And you're not going to win. There's nothing at the end of this fixture, there's nothing at the end of the season but a League Leaders' Shield that isn't really that fancied in the sport anyway so at the moment the relegation scrap is really hotting up and it's really exciting to watch so there's a bit of an element of pointlessness to this top of the table clash anyway and to be honest saints and wigan are always on sky anyway so i I do think it's the right choice and if we're talking about growing the game let's see more decisions like this we see far too many similar fixtures such as Saints Warrington, Warrington v Wigan. We see those fixtures a lot of the times this season, and, and particularly earlier on, we saw the same fixture on TV within the space of three or four weeks. And it's sort of like, what's the point? I've already seen this. It's it's not as exciting anymore. They're meant to be the big fixtures, and if, you, if you're bulking them all together, what have you got for the rest of the season? Let's sort that out because... It can become a bit tedious if you've got the same things on every other week and there's a real scrap going down at the bottom at the moment and I'm glad it's being picked up on on TV. So that's a step in the right direction. Talking of top of the table clashes, tonight it's 1st v 2nd. Who'll come out on top? Saints eased past them earlier on. Warrington'll want to get some retribution though. When they met earlier, the sides were much tighter though. They were either level on points or Saints were just one win ahead. And I wasn't too sure who were going to cement first place. But as the seasons progressed, Saints have held firm. They've not slipped up just yet, barring a couple of bad results. They're still way ahead in front now. Warrington is still in it, especially after that recent Hull FC loss. Because before that, I was thinking, wow, look at Hull. Haven't they turned a corner? They were looking like real challenges to Saints. I was looking at Jake Connors' performances, Albert Kelly, now Largo. there's there's a lot of pace in that side. And with Jake Connor, they've got the invention, they've got the deafness that sets them apart from the rest. That's what I was thinking anyway. But now we've got the whole KR result and it's thrown it all back up in the air again. And that's what I was talking about last week, about the competitiveness. It's, there's no guarantees. And Warrington, whilst Hull FC lost, they still in danger of falling out of that top two there's not much that separates them from lower down the closer to the teams lower down them than they are to St. helens so in terms of who wants to win more it's got to be warrington because they need to maintain that second place and maintain to be the challengers to saint helens so they're going to go into the game with a point to prove but that can work either way because you can go into a game and you can be too desperate and you can make a mistake, you can go hell for leather, and forget about your defensive side, or you've gone on a mad run and you've dropped the ball, or whatever. If you keep your head in that game, the opponent, you can pick them off easily, but it can also go your way, and you win. You blow them apart, and you shock them. But whilst Warrington have got a point to prove, and they want to maintain second place, I really, you know, there's not really much at stake. You've got the bragging rights, but... The time to bring your A game is really in the playoffs, and you don't want to be throwing bodies on the line because you might get injuries and that might scupper the whole season. It's more about consolidation now. We get into the latter stages, cement your position, and go again in the playoffs. But as I say, it'll give them bragging rights, they'll want to win anyway, just, you know, that's the point of the game. And it will give them an indicator as to how the playoffs might play out. But... Saints are flying high. I've not seen any weak spots from them. They might have had one or two shaky results, but every team's going to get one or two results. That, you know, not every team is going to win every game this year. It's not going to happen. But they've done everything else. And they've got threats all across the park. On one wing, they've got the speeds to Regan Grace. He's always popping up to score a try. At the other end, they've got Tommy Makinson. He's mastered the art of the diving try. Nobody in the sport seems to know how he does it. Nobody knows how you can practice it, but he's mastered it. He does it every other week, but it's no fluke. Then you've got Theo fads, you've got Lomax, you've got more pace with Nagaima also. They have so many frets that makes life a lot easier for them. If Grace is having a quiet night one time, if Farge is having one. If Lomax is having a game to forget. There's enough other attackers. That it doesn't really matter. They can have. Four players. Playing to the best. And then a few who are not. And they can still win. Because they've got the firepower. And I think that makes life virtually impossible. For the back row. Because. There's so many threats to deal with. Who should pick up who. Who should be the focus. Should we put an extra man on him. But then. You leave a space for the other guy. So it's a sort of impossible situation. And yeah, Warrington are dangerous as well. They wouldn't be second if they weren't. But the Saints defence, to me, have got an easier job because Warrington have just simply got less threats in the side. If Warrington are to be successful, they're really relying on Blake Austin, Josh Charnley. And Saints pretty much nullified Blake Austin in that match earlier on in the season. And last week with Lomax getting three try assists. Another diving try from Tommy Makinson. You can't really see past the St. Helens win. To show just how much of a team effort it is, here are some stats. Lomax this year got 18 try assists. Coot has got 19 try assists. Theo has got 15. They're all just lethal. And I think if Warrington are to get anything, they need to get off to a fast start. Perhaps shock St. Helens and get them on the ropes. We saw how good St. Helens were last week, in that first five minutes, they absolutely tore Leeds apart. Warrington can't allow that to happen. They've got to try and do that to them, and maybe they might secure the win then, but I don't see it happening. I think they're too good. Saints had the game finished by 10 minutes, although Warrington will be hopeful that, you know, barring that early spell, and the late St. Helens flurry in that match against Leeds, Leeds have had an awful season but they did run them pretty close in the middle of the match there wasn't much between them but then again I don't think Saints really got out of second gear I think they knew they got that early flurry they could relax you know they've got a cushion they don't need to go hell for leather they don't need to go and win the game they had it won already they didn't need to go and win it again and they controlled the game well they were leading they had control They didn't need to go and win it, again. So, with all that considered, I really can't see past St. Helens' win, and I think it'll be fairly comfortable tonight. Saying that, Warrington will probably win, now. And finally, I'd like to just quickly mention, you may have seen in the last few days or so, Wigginy announced Talimah Taitai would be leaving. Comes after he was found guilty of drink driving. But it was sort of met with cries of hypocrisy, because, you know, after the likes of Zach Cardaker he were given another chance for a similar offence, and to Lima Tota, joined Wigan in 2014, so he's been with them a long time, he's been through the grand final wins, and in recent months, Wigan have sort of had real personnel issues, they've had issues with drug offences, drink driving, it's sort of becoming a common occurrence, and punishment wise, these offences and these issues in the Wigan camp, it's sort of been brushed under the carpet, and because of that, we're getting these hypocrisy calls. But, you know, Wigan have had to draw the line uh, somewhere because they couldn't allow this to carry on. They couldn't allow a culture like that to fester. This is one of the most formidable rugby league sides in the world. Never mind Super League. They're one of the biggest brands in the, wo- in the world. So Wigan cannot stand for this. So I think it's right that he's leaving Wigan. But it might also be right for him as well, not just for Wigan, who need to address personnel issues and get back to what's happening on the field rather than what's going off it because they've totally ruined the season with the coach situation and also the ill discipline from the players off the field but it might be good for Tolima Teutai to return to Australia because I refuse to believe he'd do such a thing if you were thinking straight and if you were if you were content mentally you know he might be going through a tough time mentally you know I don't know the ins and outs of it, I'm just speculating. And he's returning to his family in Australia. And I think it might be best for both parties. Wigan seem to finally be properly dealing with issues like this. Maybe they can now put the personnel issues behind them. Maybe the line has been drawn. Maybe they say, we've we've given you many chances. We've let you off this time. We've let you off that time. And, uh, And it's still happening. Maybe they thought the softly, softly approach may work. It doesn't seem to have done. So now maybe they saying, if it happens again, you're out right, and that's it. You're not getting another chance, because we cannot be a counselling service. We we have to be, you know, we have to be fine on our cylinders. So I think it's the right decision, the right decision for the club, the right decision for the for the player and now we can, can focus on putting more points on the board and thinking about beating Salford, and then if they do, they'll be in that top five, they'll be in the playoffs, and they'll have a chance of getting to the grand final, and if you'd have said that a few months ago, you would have said, are you taking the Mick?" And on that note, that's it for this week's edition. Thanks ever so much for listening. Just what on earth will we have to talk about in the next episode? And you can find that out next week on shoulder charge